0: Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American Patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth, because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent Kyle Serafin.
1: Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show for Thursday. It is September the 7th, and today we have something that is kind of uh, unusual and exceptional for us. We talked to the recently convicted and sentenced January 6th defendants. We have five of them. You are going to want to stick around and listen to this. This is kind of hard to hear, but I think it humanizes men who are many, many of you have just seen as a headline. Most of you did not have the bandwidth to follow the trials. It's everything that's happened in their lives. And it is the only thing they focused on for the last couple of years. And for us, uh, many of us are just touching on it peripherally. So if you'll give them 15 minutes each, they are timed and prison- Uh, recorded phone calls. I think you're going to find them fascinating. And I think that uh, you will walk away with some value. You'll get a little sense of the man behind the headlines there. Uh, Before we do that, we want to say thanks to our sponsor. Specifically, I want to thank Catholic Vote. Here they are right there, Catholic Vote. And you can go to their website at catholicvote.org. You can sign up for The Loop, which is my favorite email I get every morning. It has all kinds of fantastic news stories. I highly encourage it. Just type in your email address, type in your zip code, and you will join the fight for faith, family, and freedom, and keep yourself well-informed with stories like we bring you here and the things that we don't have the bandwidth to bring you. Um, We're also going to say a quick thanks as well to our friends over at Patriot Coolers. They are the best. They have been here. They are OG sponsors of the Kyle Seraphin Show. Use promo code KYLE to get 10% off. You'll get free shipping if you spend more than 50 bucks. And you can see right there, they've got the hard coolers, they've got soft coolers, they've got backpacks, they've got day coolers, they've got uh, all kinds of tumblers that are smaller stuff. Great gifts and fantastic carry products. They say Patriot right on the front. They support the Kyle Seraphin show with a, a little bit of their proceeds. And also they support American veterans who have mobility issues, which is a great cause to spend your money on. If you're looking for something that's going to keep your beverage hot or cold, by all means, check out Patriot Cooler's big fans, patriotcoolers.com and use promo code Kyle, K Y L E. That'll get you that 10% off. And before we forget, unless we forget, I want to say thanks. This is a free promo. Actually I think we're paying this one forward, but this is our friend Garrett O'Boyle's website. Definitely check out our merch page. If you're looking for a t-shirt, if you're looking for hats, which he's sending me some right now, and he'll probably see me wearing on the show. I don't wear a lot of hats, but I wear these, uh, the-suspendables, dash plural, suspendables.com, the-suspendables.com, and you can find all kinds of good stuff. Uh, my favorite is the Zelensky special, which is coming in. It's an OD green with a suspendables badge right here in the middle of the chest. You can use it when you go in front of Congress and you ask for billions of dollars to fund your pet project, like, I don't know, a war with Ukraine and Russia. Uh, check out the-suspendables.com. All right, without further ado, we're going to get into these interviews and um i didn't really know what i was getting into i knew this was going to be a little heavy so you'll see this is a little bit of a this is not a lighthearted matter i think you guys will really get something out of it so stay tuned for all 5 of them hello this is Kyle Seraphin is this Dominic Kyle, this is Dominic now yeah, i can Dominic, hear you buddy look, you hear yes i certainly I'm can
2: right. uh, there, there we go all right we uh they, they give us uh they give us tablets to use in jail and uh call from inside yourself sometimes it doesn't come through that well so i had to go use the hard line so i'm glad you can hear me now
0: yeah i appreciate
1: you calling listen i want to run through a couple of questions and and i pulled up all you guys bios and i think people will be familiar with your stories but not specifically i think that's the real issue so i'd like to use this time to kind of humanize you and um you know i've talked to people in correctional facilities and they were usually bank robbers and people who had done violent crimes against you know other human beings in the the world and 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 you guys are a totally different breed Uh, in fact even your your Wikipedia page starts off saying you're an American convicted felon, which uh, doesn't sound like the way that I would describe you based on reading the rest of it. So, maybe tell people where you grew up, yeah. where you're from, uh, kind of a little bit about your story, if you would.
2: Yeah, well, I grew up I grew up in uh, up uh, up in uh, upstate New York, in a town called Rochester. It's uh, in between Syracuse and Buffalo. Um, you know, I went to a Catholic school. Uh, you know, I had both both grew up both both a mom and dad, a brother and sister um a uh, very good childhood I joined the marines uh out of high school uh served for six years you know uh, got out of there uh, started my business started a family and uh you know was pretty much just a uh simple hard working law abiding uh citizen for the first forty three years of my life until uh everything seemed to go south on
0: january sixth
1: Will you tell me? So- yeah, tell tell me what you think about this country growing up, the way that you saw it, what the values were in this country, maybe uh, your vision of America until until maybe January twenty twenty. What did it look like? he was doing?
2: Well, I, I just I wrote a uh, a letter that I sent into the Gateway Pundit and explained all about where my where my my morals and, and just the way I think came from. It came from my grandfather who came to this country from Italy uh, around nineteen sixty. He came here and he was about thirty years old. And uh, you know, he came here. He didn't know the language, uh, he, but he worked hard. And you know, even you know, he was even subjected to the uh, some some discrimination that, that uh, immigrants were uh, you know put through back then. But you know, he always said he loved this country. It was the greatest country on the planet. He he came here to give uh, to give the best uh, uh, future he could to his to to his kids and his grandkids, and uh, he, he never. Never once blamed America for anything and he just worked hard, took never took a hand out and uh, you know, passed that along to me as values of hard work and, you know, love of country and, you know, honor and faith and just, you know, just the the, the type of values that came out of the greatest generation that you just don't see anymore. That's that's basically where, where my foundation was.
1: You you touched on something. My wife is actually uh, a New Yorker and, and she's Italian by uh, by blood and, and we kind of laugh in our house about how Italians were not considered white quote unquote white until very recently in American history. sounds like your grandfather kind of knew a little bit about that. Um, There's a lot of smears that have been made about what the proud boys organization is and what people who are associated with it are. Can you talk about whether there's a a racial tinge to any of it that you saw?
2: There's, there's not a, there's, there's nothing, there's there's not a racial tinge to it at all. As a matter of fact, during our trial, we had, uh, we had several, uh, African American proud boys, uh, Latino proud boys, and even Asian Proud Boys. We, we even had a, uh, uh, a rabbi who was a pro, come to testify on our behalf. So it's just, it's just more mainstream media nonsense. It's just a way to demonize anyone who, you know, thinks like we do with conservative values and who, who appreciate the West. You know, our, our whole, you know, our whole, uh, you know, credo basically, if you, if, if you will, is uh, the West is the best. That's basically what we say, and, and that's what we stand by. That Western culture is the best. It's the most. It's the, it's the culture that has. Uh, set the most people free it's, it's made the standard of living better for everyone it's it's you know the, everything that we enjoy today in the modern technology has all been based off uh you know western values and and, and that's what we promote so you know the whole idea that probably boys are racist or and this and that and the other thing that's just com- completely made up by the left it's just the same tactic they use when they smear anyone who's on our side just that's all they have just racism
1: I, uh, I listened to briefings about the Proud Boys and, and other groups that were on the political right, uh, and also some that were in the middle, I think, um, in 2017. And I was shocked at how little the FBI knew about what it was they were talking about, the way that the quote-unquote counterterrorism squads were briefing. Will you talk about your interactions a little bit with the FBI, what that looked like, maybe the way you thought about them growing up, and then what your experience was when you had to deal with them after 2021? Well, it, it, you
2: know, they, the... The, the way the Proud Boys think, it never used to be considered right-wing. It used to be, that's how an American thought. You know, you love this country, you supported it, and, and you know, if you didn't like it, <laughs> you know, there's plenty of other communist countries you can go live in. But, um, you know, I have no idea how the FBI came by this. You know, when I was younger, I used to go to, uh, it was like a almost like an FBI apprenticeship thing that we used to do after school at night because I was actually interested in joining the DEA. So, you know, I actually had an interest in, in joining federal law enforcement, but uh, I mean, from from what I remember back then to what our federal law enforcement has become now, it's, it's totally it's totally night and day difference. I mean, right now it's just a politicized arm of the Democrat Party, and, they're, and all they're doing is helping push the narrative that, that that side has set up, and they're not really doing anything else besides that at this point.
1: Did you see some of the civil unrest that happened in 2020 around the country?
2: I did. I, I did. And that's a, that's a big reason why I ended up uh, joining up with the group was I just I've seen uh, I've seen so many innocent people being brutalized, you know, just just out, uh, you know, out practicing their First Amendment right to, to protest and, and to free speech. I saw Trump supporters just being attacked by groups of Antifa and I saw nothing being done about it. I saw cops standing by. I saw them getting away with it, you know, they had a revolving door at the jail where they would be arrested and let right back on the street again to to go out and commit more crimes against innocent people. And I felt like someone needed to stand up. You know, I was uh, early 40s. I felt like, you know, I was still decent enough shape and, you know, uh, that, you know, I I should go out there and do what I could to help protect people. And, uh, you know, that's that's what a a lot of the people who joined uh, uh, post-November election uh, felt the same way. You know, they were just like, no one's out here standing up for our side. So we need someone to go out there and stand up, you know, with the rest of us, with, with the Trump supporters, with the people on the right, with the people who loved America against these evil, uh, these evil people that are on the left right now.
1: It does feel like the people on the left don't care about this country. And yet they're somehow fighting for a quote unquote democracy and a bunch of this other kind of things. Maybe give us a, an insight. You said a lot of people joined up after the November election in 2020. What was the energy like? What were the discussions like? And what was the idea behind being in, being in DC uh, in January?
2: Well, here's 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 a crazy thing, Kyle. I I was only with the club uh, less than thirty days before this happened. So you know, my first my first major uh, you know I, w- I went to one of the rallies that was in DC in December, but I mean, my first major national thing like this ended up being January sixth, where we ended up getting rounded up and and arrested and and put it in here and now you know pretty much looking at the rest of our lives in prison so um you know but it was it was the same feeling you know and i think i i truly think that there's a battle between good and evil in this country right now i really do and the prosecutor used used that line because they had i I wrote it in a journal and they found it and they used it against me over and over again that i think there's a battle between good and evil but how can you think it's not i mean you have the left they want to brutalize the kids uh, with uh, you know transitioning, you know uh, uh, you know turning them into tra- uh, yeah, trainees or whatever, whatever the term is now you're using. They want to destroy God. They wanna they want to destroy the families. So I really believe this is a battle between good and evil, and I think people really are, were starting to understand that on the sixth. That's why so many people uh, rallied and came to D.C. And I think people see it even more now. The problem is I think people are afraid to actually try to speak out about it now because of what they've been doing on our side.
1: I think the battle between good and evil mentality will resonate very much with my audience. I have the same feeling. We have the same discussions at my house. Um, yeah. how, how is it going? How is the battle going from your perspective?
2: You know, if, if from where we are, it looks like we're losing. Um, you know, they just gave me 10 years for, uh, you know, I, I, okay, I, I broke a window that day. It might not have been the smartest thing I ever did, but I got 10 years for it, okay? And and the judge said it was an act of terrorism. They basically gave all five of us uh, a terrorism enhancement for minor property damage, a few hundred dollars worth of damage. When you see what the left did with their $2.5 billion worth of damage destroying everything. So, yeah, it seems like losing, but, I think in the long run, you have to step back and look at the bigger picture. I think, you know, what Trump did when he came into office was he he put a crack in that wall of darkness, and the light was slowly starting to pour through, and that crack is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I I think there's way too many people that are awake now. I think there's a momentum, and I think there's a shift in this country right now, unlike anything that has ever been seen in in human history. I, I really believe that. We might not be as vocal about it now, but I don't think we can go through four years of seeing what we've seen and not just have people completely starting to understand what we're really up against right now. It's, it's a battle for our, for our freedom. It's a battle for, it's a battle to, uh, you know, not be uh, enslaved. Um, I, I, I just, I really do. I, I think, I mean, even, even by the fact that we've, we've got um, uh, some black lives member or black lives matters uh, uh, leader was, is, has been at our sentencing pro, uh, protesting, with our families for us against the injustice that's been going on, you know, with us receiving all these high numbers. So they've, you know, they've been there or, you know, with the sentencing for the Proud Boys over the last week. So I just, I just really think there's been a shift. I don't think it's, it's going to be, they're going to be able to stop it. I, I, I do believe Trump is coming back one way or another. I mean, the only thing, the only way they're going to be able to stop him is by putting them in prison or, or killing him. And I think if that happens, I think this country's going to explode. So I, I don't think the other side is, is, going to be in power for too much longer, but I think they're going to do as much damage as they possibly can before they go out. They're going to, they're not going to go down quietly. Just put it, put it to you that way.
1: I, I heard you say that the sentence is 10 years. I know the DOJ came in and asked for 20 and they got half of what they asked for, which is also still incredible. Yep. I've seen uh, people who produced child pornography and distributed it around the internet get 12 years or less. So that's the kind yep. of sentencing that they gave you for breaking a window on a couple hours of your life. That doesn't stand for the rest of it. What what are your spirits right. like having got that information? Um, you, you sound far more hopeful than um, than I would maybe expect, but you've had some time to process it. So it's kind of talk us through what that felt like.
2: I, I just, I don't, honestly, I don't feel like it's real. I don't feel like any of this is real. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, we, we talked, uh, we had somebody talk to Trump last night. And, uh, at one of his rallies or fundraiser he was doing, and they went up to President Trump and said, hey, you know, we're outside of Freedom Quarter, and uh, he's like, you have a message for the guys that are inside the gulag? He's uh, he, uh, he said something like, uh, tell our heroes that, uh, you give them this message to say that they're going, You get, tell them they're going to be all right. They should have never been, they should, this should have never happened to them in the first place, but let them know they're going to be all right. I, I, I truly believe that this is, it's not going to stand. I, I just don't think, I don't think the country is going to allow this to stand. You don't take someone who broke a window or someone who put their hand on a fence or someone like Enrique who wasn't even there and give him 22 years. I mean, that's the rest of his life. There, you know, people understand a sense of, of fairness and justice in this country, and right now we don't have it. Everyone sees the two-tier justice system. It's, it's blatantly obvious every day. I mean, we have a man in the White House who's a, a, a total corrupt tyrant, and, and they're getting away with everything well, while we have people on our side who are going to jail for, uh, you know, protesting at abortion clinics. So I, I just don't think that this reign of terror is sustainable in this country.
1: I, I think you're probably correct. And I, and I don't know where it goes, but yeah. it, it's got to go somewhere. Obviously, this energy has to go somewhere on both sides. Um, yeah. How can people reach out and support you guys? There's a lot of people that kind of know the stories by, by just touching it peripherally. What can they do to support you that'll keep your spirits up that'll help you guys get through as you move towards maybe a trump election and hopefully a pardoning or something like that
2: well people write to us which is which is always great you know the letters are a great source of inspiration um you know i i, I hate to say it but you know we now we have a, appeals coming up which are very expensive you know we all have uh, uh individual gifts and goes that, you know, people could donate to to help us with our appeals, to help our family with finances because, you know, they're not only trying to destroy us, they're trying to destroy our families too. Um, if you'd like to, you know, if you'd like to donate to me personally, my my, uh, my give go is uh, it's uh, GiveSungo.com uh, backslash Pizzola. That's my personal one. Uh, if you'd like to help out with uh, any, any donations for, you know, appeals or, or helping our families make it through it. I got, you know, two kids in college. But uh, you know, everyone just needs to stay strong and just don't let them don't let them destroy us. You know, the other day when I left, when I walked out of the courtroom, uh, uh, you know, after I was sentenced, I turned around. You and, have one minute remaining. I turned around, looked at the prosecutors, and told them Trump won, and everyone knows it, and and I believe it, and I know that they they know it. Everyone knows it. So just don't let them destroy our spirit. That's the biggest thing right now. Everyone's just got to keep their spirits high, and realize that good will win. They they, it's, it, they have it has to. It's a we're we're on a one trajectory right now. Either we turn this ship around and things are going to be good for everyone, or we're crashing and burning, and the the world's the world's going to be destroyed. So that's where we are right now.
1: I think that uh, I think that's a very sage thought, and I appreciate the uh, the defiance there. I think that's the, the the right spirit, and I know we're all going to be praying for you, uh, both in my audience, but also this country. It's it's got to pray for something to, to to level out. And so, I, uh, man, I appreciate you spending the time with us today.
2: No problem, Kyle. I, I don't want this to hang up on us. This, this uh this uh Phone will hang up on us, uh, you know, pretty rudely if we don't if we don't say goodbye. So let me say goodbye to you now, and uh, you know, thanks for everything you're doing too. I appreciate it. Okay.
1: You bet. Thanks, Dom. Thanks for spending the time with us, bud.
2: All right, Kyle. Take care. Bye.
1: All right. See you. Okay. This is Kyle.
0: Hello. This is a prepaid debit call from. Thank you for using Global Tel Link.
2: Hey, how's it going? This is uh, Zach Real calling in. Can you hear me all right?
1: Yeah, Zach, I can hear you. This is Kyle Serafin. Thanks for talking to us, buddy.
2: Uh, no problem. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
1: I'm I'm more than happy to. What I want to do is I want to give a little bit of a human touch. Everybody uh, can look your guys' names up and find out. You got stories written about you by a, an unfriendly media. I wanted you to be able to tell people who you are, where you grew up, the America that you grew up in, and uh, you know all before all this stuff. And, and we'll get into to your situation in just a moment too. But maybe tell people where you grew up, how you grew up, the families you you came from.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I, I grew up,
0: uh, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania,
2: uh, pretty, pretty modest, uh, living actually kind of on the poor side. Really. Um, uh, my father was a police officer. Uh, my mom was a, uh, was a bartender. My dad died at a young age. Um, uh, when I was my 12 years old, he passed away. So, um, it was basically just my mom raising me and me and my brother. And, uh, you know, it, it was tough. I had my first kid when I was 19 and, uh, I ultimately ended up joining the Marine Corps and when I was 23 years old. I was honorably separated uh, approximately four years later, and I uh, went to Temple University after that where I received two degrees, a bachelor's in marketing and a master's in entrepreneurship. I Then uh, I worked at Merrill Lynch for a little while in New York Life where I acquired various uh, um, you know financial licenses, Series 7, 66, Insurance licenses, things of that nature, and uh, I was actually in the process of opening up my own financial uh, company, finance company, uh, advising company, right before my arrest. Um, I, I was part of the Proud Boys. I was the president of uh, Philadelphia chapter. Uh, we we we're a very diverse group. Um, we have we have men of all backgrounds, and um, you know we, we participated in some protests, uh, quite a few in 2020 you know like like many people did you know, there's the COVID lockdowns and everything and um you know they all pretty much culminated with january 6th and uh you know um you know, this, this is very very peaceful guy i never got in trouble with the law before i you know the most like i mean i did i had a, a DUI when i was young um but i mean that's that's the extent of it like i'm not a, like am not a violent guy i never got in trouble in any any protests i've ever been to before um, you know the accusations against me are absolutely appalling, and they don't, you know, they don't, they don't justify my character whatsoever. And um, you know, and, and we proved that in court. But unfortunately, you know, you can't get a fair, fair trial in D.C. Not not with the uh,
3: politically motivated
2: jury that, that you know we had. But uh, that's that's basically me uh, in a nutshell. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, come from modest backgrounds, and you know. Uh, I'm a hardworking American, you know, military vet, love my country. And, uh, that's, that's,
0: that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. You can't see, but I'm nodding along with you right now as you're, as you're, you're giving your background and I appreciate all that. Can you talk about, uh, the organization and you probably have the, the upside of talking to someone who listened to Gavin McGinnis for a long time and have heard him talk about the founding of the proud boys and why they came up with it and the Aladdin song and all the deal. I know, I know all the, you know, the stuff about the background that people in the FBI obviously did not, but maybe talk about joining that organization and what led you to it and what you liked about it.
2: Yeah, so um, I was I was doing uh, I was doing events prior to joining the uh, for joining the Proud Boys for my own for business purposes and whatnot, and um, I ended up doing a I was, I was doing a couple of radio shows to promote one of my events, and uh, one of the one of the radio show hosts, you know, recommended I look into the Proud Boys. I actually didn't even know who they were at the time. Uh, it's about 2018, I want to say, and I looked into them, and of course, you know, I, I googled the name and seen all kinds of know terrible things said about them but i have an open mind you know i i, I know the media is deceitful and i know it's you know biased. so so I, I i dug a little harder and i i found their website and i seen that you know they're all about free speech and um you know entrepreneurship and you know just just typical american things you know like you know gun rights you know all you know things like that so uh you know it piqued my interest a little bit you know i was i'm a businessman i i I, i've owned multiple businesses in the past and i, I figured hey you know I'll, let me reach out let me see what's up so i reach out and you know I'm, I'm i'm expecting i'm expecting the worst you know i get to this meeting though and and it's just a bunch of guys hanging around drinking talking politics and most of them were military vets so immediately i fit in i fit in well with them because you know it's the one thing that um Know, military vets it's easy for us to just hit it off you know I mean we have similar backgrounds and whatnot yep. it would be like two retired FBI agents meeting each other you know you guys just hit it off right away oh they're know? a bunch of nerds man I, I
1: I'd rather hang out with vets I'd rather hang out with that crew that's that's my crew for sure
0: <laughs> but yeah so and 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 I ended up I ended up liking it you know um I had fun with
2: these guys and you know like I said they, they weren't what the media made them out to be so so I I, I stuck around and um and 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 I had a blast. You know, I, I you know, flew around the country in 2020, and I met a lot of these guys all, all in these other chapters. And it, it was the same thing. You know, every, every city I stopped at, is these guys welcomed me with open arms and showed me their city and, you know, partied with me and everything. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's appalling the things that are said about the Proud Boys and, you know, why there's not more lawsuits, you know, springing up. You know about libel and slander and everything, but uh, you know that, that's that's a topic for another day, I suppose. But yeah.
1: probably, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I remember listening to Gavin McGinnis talk about it and saying he wanted something like the Knights of Columbus, like the Elks Lodge, like people used to join, like men used to go and just be around men and do man things.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and it's a, it's a fraternity at the end of the day. You know, and um, you know, in, in fratern in, in college fraternities, you know, like yeah, you know, the, the whole point is to socialize to network you know um expand on ideas politics uh, you know all that and and it's 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 no different with the proud boys you know so like the the, when i hear this this extremist group talk and all all this other stuff I'm like there's nothing extreme about this group whatsoever nothing you know and 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 it and it it, it hurts hearing it because like i'm part of this group and I, i i i defend it you know and there's nothing I can—I feel powerless, especially being in jail now—to to put up with this, you know. And there's nothing I can do about it. But you know, I, I appreciate you giving me the platform and being able to explain it a little bit. So th- that does help.
1: <laughs> no, it's my—it's my pleasure. And and I think that it's—it's it's sorely missed that people don't go looking for that information. It's not that hard to find. It turns out uh, even the FBI couldn't find it, even though I gave it to them. Um, I'm interested in, in your view of America as you were growing up, all the licenses you did serving our country, going out and starting businesses. Those are, those are very hopeful activities. Can you talk about what you saw America as and how that changed maybe up until maybe the end of 2020 and what that kind of felt like?
2: Well, I mean, America, America is still, it's still what it is, you know, um, it's a land of opportunity. Um, I was, I was told at a young age that, you know, you can do anything you want in this country. You just have to put your time and effort into it and that's that's what i did you know i it, it was really hard for me to get into the finance industry for one i grew up poor you know it's a, it's an industry where uh usually people with the background in money or you know um it, it's their industry you know um so it, it's hard to get your foot in the door Some somebody like me so when i got my foot in the door it was it it was a big deal you know and it was a huge accomplishment for me to be able to be able to do that, but I put the time and effort into that. You know, It took a lot of time getting to know people and talking to people and networking and getting the education required, you know, and um, it's not surprising that I did, you know, so when I wanted, you know, I wanted to take it to the next step and open up my own company, you know, it's it's just a, it's a shining example of what you can do in this country and, you know, despite, despite all the divisions and all the political nonsense going on in this country, you know, you still it's still the greatest country in the world. You can still do these things, you know. And um, despite what I'm, what what my charges are, you know, and all this, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this to the Supreme Court if I have to, and overturn this. But when I get out
0: of jail, I'm still gonna have an opportunity
2: as long as I put the effort into it. And I'm going to continue to put the effort into it because I know hard work pays off in this country, no matter how tough things may be. It's I think still we- the truth today.
1: I think people can really appreciate that message. Um, you, you're looking down the barrel. What, what was the what was the sentence they asked for, and what did they end up getting with you with the seditious conspiracy and all the others?
0: Well, it's, it's,
2: it's interesting to say that. So, in the federal system, typically they they do this thing called a PSR. It's pre-sentencing report. Uh-huh. Um, now, they it's, it's basically you meet with probation officers and they they look at your background and this and that. And they recommend they recommended 10 years based on the charges that we were convicted of for a guideline. Um, the federal government requested 30 years to life. So, um, the judge ended up taking the government's, uh, request as the sentencing guidelines and, um, then sentenced us 15, well, me anyway, 15 years less. So I was sentenced to 15 years, uh, in jail, prison, whatever. And, uh, I think it's it's important to note that I was not convicted of any assaults at all. Uh, The the judge judge acknowledged, even though I was convicted of um, destruction of property, that I didn't actually touch the fence that was broken, and I didn't, (laughs) but I was convicted of it anyway, Uh, much like you'll eventually hear Mr. Terrio was also convicted of breaking that fence when he wasn't even in the city. But so it just shows you right there, like the type of uh, jury we are going up against. You know And I mean? They're convicting people, of breaking things that didn't break things, you know, or.
1: Right. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, my, my empathy, my heart goes out to you guys. I, I have arrested people in D.C. I arrested a guy on Trump's inauguration in 2017, and he was shining a laser pointer into a park police helicopter, which is a felony. And he was released. Uh, didn't even have it go on his record. He just had a rough night in jail, probably, and then went home. That was the end of it. And he was facing at least five years for that. And he'd probably done it 50 times during that day. And then to find out that you guys are doing conspiracy of the mind and, uh, you know, insurrection by remote, apparently, as, as the media puts it out there, it's, it's so absurd for me having been in that space to watch it, but uh, you know, the unfairness of DC is famous, unfortunately. I'm curious if you can talk about what you feel about the justice system. Uh, If you grew up thinking something different, if you thought that people got a fair shake, or if you thought that it was always, skewed maybe kind of give us a take on what it felt like going through this
2: well like i said i i I have a law enforcement family i come from a law enforcement family so you know i I have a a good sense of the justice system i like i've tried to stay out of trouble my whole life but um i i do understand how it works i i never thought that it would be frankly this corrupt and and i i don't think it is nationwide i I, I was initially granted bail by a magistrate judge in Pennsylvania, and um, I I do recall the the judge's um, body language, and he seemed like it was absurd that they wanted to deny me bail. Uh, so the fact that they used the de novo review to you know take that power from that magistrate judge and bring it into D.C. where I was ultimately my bail was revoked. I mean, it's it seems to be a D.C. DC problem, uh, I, and, and not, not, not like a nationwide justice system problem, but still, nonetheless, I mean, this is the Department of Justice, and the Department of Justice is at the end of the day is pulling the strings here, whether it's DC or not, and it's it's not a good look, at least. I, I do have faith in the justice system and the fact that I'm going to win on appeal. I, I said from day one, I, I may not win win with this jury. I may not win... On tr- in trial, but I know I'll win on appeal. Um, like, we didn't do what we're being accused of. And at trial, there was there, we were basically convicted of, you know, people's feelings on the election and, and politics and whatnot, you know? Uh, if, if politics had nothing to do with our trial, we probably would have been exonerated. But politics had everything to do with our trial, and that's why we were convicted. And that's the problem, you know. It shouldn't be like that ever in our justice system. But luckily, luckily, like I said, in the appeals court, I don't, I don't, I don't think I have, I'll have that issue. I could be wrong, but I, I, I hope, I hope you get a fair shake at the appeals court.
1: Yeah, I know we're all praying and pulling for you guys on that. Talk to me about uh, you've gone through basic training. You're looking at kind of a rough road ahead, at least while it goes through appeals, and um, you know maybe the mindset that you're taking into uh, what's in front of you.
0: You have. One minute
1: remaining. That was quick. <laughs> it goes. Yeah,
2: yeah, it does. Sorry. So
1: we- Just a mindset that's carrying you through what you're looking at, um, you know, based on some of the other difficult things you've done in your life, how, how you're maintaining it. Um,
2: you know, I, I I've, uh, I've we, we, we prepared for the worst. I've always prepared for the worst in my life. I prepared my wife for the worst in this situation. Um, we, we had a feeling that this was going to be dragged out because of the politics. Um, once we were denied, once I was denied bail we knew something was up. Um but we knew it was gonna we knew it was gonna be something dragged out, so we prepared for that. And um I'm prepared for anything that's that's thrown at us. Um but uh if anybody wants to you know follow through with our with you know follow along with our uh, our trial, um like you know, you can follow me on Twitter, DefenZach or uh true social defendac as well. Um so
1: We'll put those out there for sure. I know we're going to get cut off real shortly. I want to thank you for coming on here. We're going to pump all your guys' gifts and goes as well and share them with everybody. And we do appreciate you taking your, your, your phone call for today with us. I know we're going to get shut there. So thanks so much. Thank you for using
0: global telling.
1: It goes quick. It goes quick. Y'all imagine trying to keep up a family relationship doing that, you know, Ryan
3: tough, really tough. I don't know how these brave men are doing it, Kyle. I don't I could not do it. I could not do it if I'm then. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. What's happening to these poor men and women in this country and the fact that we have politicians that are sitting in Washington right now, they're going on vacation when they work for us, we the people, and their constituents are sitting in a prison cell rotting away right now for crimes that they did not commit.
1: All right, you ready? You're pulling up bigs. Here we go. This is Kyle. Hello. Hello, this is Kyle Serafin. Is this Joe? Yeah, this is. All right, Mr. Biggs, um, I, I really appreciate you calling and, and uh, chatting with us today. I want to kind of get into as much as we can in the 15 minutes we have. So uh, I want to start with, I've read your profiles. I think people have seen your face. Uh, people have listened to you on the radio. They've seen you around uh, social media and so on. But maybe tell people who you are, where you grew up. I kind of like to give people the human touch of of where people come from. It's not just a face that they see on the news. Uh,
2: Well, I was... Pretty much born in uh, the charlotte north carolina area i grew up around um, the carolinas and florida um, my mother was a teacher my father was a marine so we moved a lot i grew up a lot on college campuses at, uh, clemson university university of south carolina university of florida Florida state um, so i've spent most of my childhood on college campuses and then i have that marine corps aspect and then i decided to myself after 9, uh, joined the army to piss off my dad.
1: Yeah. I was going to say that must've hurt his feelings a little bit. You went army when you could have had a much prettier uniform.
2: Yeah, but you know what? We get better toys. So I was okay with that.
1: <laughs> That's fair. Uh, tell me about your time in the army.
2: Um, it was fun. Um, you know, I, uh, I got Fort Bragg. I wanted Fort Bragg. I went there, uh, deployed pretty soon. Um, when I got to my unit, my first sergeant said, Hey, you've got some college. So that means you're smart. I said, yeah, I guess so and he sent me to EMT school. Um I guess there was a shortage of uh we had a shortage of uh, medics at the time when we first went into Iraq. Uh, uh for me, like around two thousand three, two thousand four. So they sent me to EMT school. Um I went over there, um, did convoy security. Um I was the uh the first guy, I was like the, the route finder for all the convoys, uh going through Iraq and the first one to get blown up. So basically we would drive around get blown up and i would patch myself and my guys up um and that was fun and then i went to afghanistan where we did uh um more of kind of
0: uh, foot patrols mounted patrols
2: and and things like that through the coast province we had our own little ao um around the Terrazai dc and uh outside of uh, salerno um and um you know we did a lot of uh Stuff, you know, going out there trying to uh, create choke points for the Taliban, um, for any of the insurgents, insurgents coming in and out uh, of Pakistan on the border right there We're try to stop, uh, stop a lot of the flow of the weapons and um, munitions and things like that. So I, I spent a lot of time doing that. Um, I've been to a lot of funerals, seen a lot of crazy stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, when I when I the military... Um, I, I needed something to keep that adrenaline going on, and I ended up finding a job as a reporter, and I actually got um, kind of a gig doing street stuff. So I, I, I covered um, lots of riots, a lot of protests, turn riots, um, and uh, terrorist attacks all over the world. I was there just a couple – like a day after the boticon Theater attack, I went there – Uh, On the raids with the the police in Saint Denis, uh, France, when they were looking for the ISIS fighters, I I followed them all the way up into Molenbeek, Belgium, um, and found the places where the suspected ISIS fighters came from. Um, So I've been in it for a while. I I, I like doing that, but never in a million years would I think I'd find myself in jail, being charged with something akin to terrorism for merely walking around that day at the castle.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I want to touch on there. You've seen combat, you've seen, uh, you've seen what war looks like, you've seen what um, riots and and real street violence looks like. Can you compare that experience based on, you know, many, many uh, hours in it, and and maybe against what you saw for the couple hours that went on on January 6th?
2: Well, January 6th was, it was, it was an interesting thing. So, you know, you had, you had multiple groups of people um, who had permits all across the DC area. Um, Quite a few around the Capitol area. Then you had the the main one at the Ellipse where the president was speaking. We had heard the president before, so we chose to go to some of the other events. Um, And they had multiple permits set up around that spot. Um, So it, it was a unique environment that you had instead of being like one regular protest. When I was in Ferguson, Missouri, you had everybody congregate in one area. Then one thing sparked that. And it takes them from, uh, you know, that one area and the police and the firefighters and everybody knew how to respond to that, you know, that, that act of violence that kind of sparked the riot. Here it was from all over the place. You had people from coming from multiple different rallies from multiple places. You didn't know who was in what group and what their intentions were. Um, so it was really a recipe for disaster. Um, you know, when I was standing in the front up there, um, I was on the bullhorn. I was doing my normal chance that I always did, but about 25 yards in front of me. There was another guy that we call black megaphone guy we still don't know who he is he was telling people now that we've gone back and been able to see footage hey you need to uh, get them into the front lines get up here to the fence we need to push this fence down we need to charge forward we need to go to the capitol um but i get blamed for that somehow and the footage shows this other man doing that you know what what sparked what what happened was this one simple guy went up there pushed they had the right people around them that, that were there to, to kick it off. The crowd didn't know what was going on, and as the as the fence went forward, people just started flooding forward, and it kind of went out of control. You know I, what I saw in Ferguson was when they announced the no indictment on Officer uh, Darren Wilson. One person threw a bottle at the fire department right over my head. I was actually with the, my camera crew set up at the fire department.
0: The bottle went over
2: my head, shatters, and then everything from there went to chaos. Browns are flying, pepper balls, you know, you name it, MRAPs are in the street, and it went on for days. Um, this happened much the same, but they're trying to conjure up the story and say that it was a lot more organized than what it was when it wasn't, you know, that there was nothing organized about that. That was another protest turned riot, and it sucks that it happened, but it happens all the time, and I'm not sure why they're making such a big deal out of, uh, out of it with us, and they don't with the other ones.
1: I think a lot of Americans are seeing that same thing, the disproportionate response to what happened in Ferguson, what happened in Baltimore, what happened in uh, 2020 in a dozen cities around the United States. And and you've kind of just touched on it. What were your feelings going in after watching what happened throughout the, the, say, March to December of 2020? What were you feeling about this country?
2: I knew things were on edge, and I knew things were, you know, intense. People were kind of at a point where, You know, even on regular stations like NPR and things like that, people were talking about civil war. That was a pretty common topic amongst people. And when I was doing interviews, let's say uh, Dateline and things like that, I had a lot of reporters coming to my house in that time frame interviewing me and asking me what, you know, what do I think about a, a coming civil war? This is something that everyone was talking about at that time. But for some reason, the government wants to hit in on the fact that I've talked about it before. I talked about it simply because that's my job as a reporter, and it, it was a main topic at that time. People are on a, on edge. People don't trust the, the voting system that we have in place. People don't uh, trust our elected officials. They don't want to trust these people that are appointed over us, and they smell corruption, and there's fear in the air, and people don't know what to do. And I think that's a, a kind of a, a powder keg for, you know, what happened on January 6th.
1: Yeah, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, we, we talked to Zachary about uh, his hope for appeal. What what are your feelings about uh, the justice system as it stands right now and, and how things are looking down the road for you guys?
2: I mean, not only do I hope that the, you know, this appeal system works, uh, America should hope that it works because if we can't get a good fair try in the appeal courts here, I think we're pretty much students of the country. Um, if they can come after me and charge me with terrorism for shaking a fence, what else are they gonna go after people for next? You know, this is only going to embolden The Department of Justice is only going to embolden those individuals who uh, got away with this, Um, and we need to make sure that, you know, as American citizens, that we're voting when it's time to vote, that we're paying attention to the people that we vote, and we look at the ways that those people have voted before in the past, and make sure that we put people in power that should be in power. Um, I think that's something that needs to be done, because if we don't get a good fair trial, or we don't get a good fair appeal um, in D.C., you know, I it's hard to say, you know, then we're kind of dependent upon a, a Trump presidency or someone else out there at dark horse who might come in down the road. And I just don't know. I, I think they've already gotten away with so many things on the left that right now it's too easy for them to get away with it because no one's really done anything to stop them.
1: I agree with that as well. My, um, my, my audience kind of hears me talk about the fact that there's a certain energy that is on the left right now that is that is very mobile. They've done sort of, if you want to call it the political dry run by going after a lot of people from January 6th in a way that I, I did not see. I couldn't even imagine someone telling me to go investigate a misdemeanor when I was working there. I think I would have laughed it off. I've turned down you know felonies on a regular basis because we didn't have time or resources. And then they went after Trump in a way that was unprecedented, which you guys probably saw from you know while under the uh, the shadow of indictment. And now that you guys have been you know, convicted and, and you're dealing with a sentencing and you're seeing four indictments hang over the former president. You know, what what are your thoughts about the energy level that is going into this sort of uh persecution, I'll call it
2: well I can tell you the his co-defendants are probably gonna be scared right now, you know, because like I said, the uh the the left they have an energy right now that is uh, uh probably akin to a steamroller, you know it's, it's kinda hard to stop one of those and uh, They've gotten away with so much, and they're going to continue to keep pushing and keep pushing and, and rolling over as many people as they can until they feel like they're safe to continue leading um, the way they want to. Um, that's the sad thing. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, uh, it's hard to say right now. I'm at a loss sometimes. You know, when I saw, what I saw in the trial really blew my mind. When the FBI agents were coming in, and like we got this guy, we got this guy, this Joe Big. We went to his house, and they lay down on the table uh, the evidence, and it was coins, challenge coins, and um, Proud Boys T-shirts and flags from my room and um, things like that. They're like, you yeah, know, we got this guy. He's evil scum. And I'm like, you, you've got coins where we tell dick jokes. You've got T-shirts making fun of each other. Um, this is insane. We're really wasting this kind of money on this. And, you know, the, they're, they're they're taking things that we said that are clearly jokes and they're trying to make this some serious thing we're we're a group of guys who joke about everything we literally during the trial we were pulling pranks on each other me and enrique went when enrique in between breaks in the trial when we were downstairs in the holding cell i was toilet papering him like he was a mummy you know we we even in in all of this we're just a bunch of guys who like to joke you know we were doing like three-legged races with our legs cuffed together running. And chasing each other around the courtroom you know you've got to have fun and you've got to maintain some kind of morale and all this but you know it, it's, it's bad out there and they're crazy and they're coming after us and they came after uh, me and my buddies and i i don't know man i mean what do you guys what do, what do you think is uh happening and what can be done
1: well, we're, we're going to keep pushing awareness. I, I don't know. I, f- I feel like it's going to, I think the things you highlighted are true that uh, there's a lot of ugliness and there's an awful lot of anger that seems very impotent and, and mispointed. And why I would be at you is it's a proxy for something. I just can't figure out what it is that they hate so much other than they hate America. Uh, I'm curious uh, now I've talked to, uh, to Dominic. I talked to Zachary. I'm talking to you. you all have gone through a basic training. Uh, you've all kind of dealt with the suck in the military. You talk about how that may, uh, give you guys the ability to have that kind of gallows humor where you can Tie each other up like mummies and do three-legged races?
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I grew up, not my, 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 my real brother, but, you know, like my blood brother, David, he was a Marine. Um, uh, we always did that. You know, when, when you're around a bunch of guys who've seen a lot of crazy stuff, you've got to learn to joke in the bad times and the good times. You've got to learn to, to find that, 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 that glitter of hope uh, and that ability to, to reach in and, and, and get that little bit of fuel left in your body to push and keep going. You know, I, I, I don't quit. I don't have quit in me. God didn't build me for quit. But God built me to, to keep going and to keep fighting and I'm going to fight until the day that I die, you know? And, and after that, I, I hope people still fight in our name and I hope people still continue to uh, push for justice and push for the right thing, because you know what, if, if you're in this to quit, then you're in this for the wrong thing, because we're at a war right now. Um, and you know, a war for our freedom, a war for our rights, a war for our country our for our culture, for what we, you know, our values, for Christian values, for the nuclear family. If you're not willing to fight, then you need to move the hell over and let people who are willing to fight, uh, get in there and take control.
1: Um, you mentioned God, you mentioned faith, you've mentioned the war. That's a spiritual war. I, I think, um, maybe tell us what are your prayers sound like when, when you're, when you're laying down and closing your eyes at night?
2: Well, I always ask God first to give me uh, understanding uh, before I read the Bible. You know, to you know, God, you know, kind of talk to me and tell me what it is you want me to see here. Um, and then with that, God give me the understanding I need and the wisdom I need to implement what it is you're trying to tell me. And I try to meditate on that and sleep on. You the... have one minute remaining. Family, and I pray for my enemies. I pray for the judges. I pray for the court system. I pray for the the, the, the AUSA attorneys. I pray for everyone out there that's doing the wrong thing, that God will reach into them, soften their hearts and help them see the truth and to do the right thing and help us out.
1: I can appreciate all that. And I think that's some, some wise words. We have uh, the website scrolling underneath right now, uh, free Joe Biggs with two G's.com. Is there a better website or is that the best one to, uh, for people to kind of keep track of what you up to do?
2: Free Joe That's it. That's the best way to go. Free Joe And, um, that's where you can help, uh, take care of my little girl. Um, I lost my military retirement from all this, so she no longer gets that money. And, um, this also helps to pay my lawyer to continue fighting through the appeals, um, you know, in the circuit courts, all the way up into the Supreme court.
1: All right. We will uh, promote that as well. And, uh, Joe, thanks for, for talking to us. I don't want to get cut off unceremoniously. So I just want to say, I really appreciate it. And we're praying for all you guys. All right.
2: Thank you. Uh, free the proud boys. We'll see you guys.
0: Thank you for using global
3: telling. You want to see something mm-hmm. that's also going to make you upset, Kyle? Might as well. Go go ahead and search on Google Free Joe Briggs. Tell me what you come up with. Guess what I come up with? Google is purposely hiding his content. You can't see it anywhere over here. I'm searching Free Joe Biggs, which is yeah, website I'm is www. www.freejoebiggs. It should be the first web page that pops up here. It should at the very least be on page one. Yeah. Not even nowhere to be found.
1: It's all just articles about it being sentenced. What if you take the spaces out of it?
3: Nope. Nope.
1: Nope, not at all.
3: <phone rings> Did you yeah,
1: I've got Ethan coming in next. Yes, there he is. This is Kyle.
0: Hello. This is a prepaid debit call from...
1: This is Kyle. Hey, Kyle. This is Ethan Nordin. How you doing Ethan? I'm uh, watching our clock here. I'm getting better at doing this thing. So it's a sad thing to have to be good at, but um, I, I really appreciate you speaking with us today and I'm looking forward to uh, you know a few minutes of talking to your time. Uh, I've done the same thing with the other guys. I wanna humanize the story of who it is. Everyone's seen like a picture in the news or they've seen a, a name in the headline. I'd like you to kind of tell people who you are, where you grew up, what kind of family you came from, you know, what part of America you saw growing up and what that lens looks like.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, well, my full name's Ethan Nordean. Um some people actually know me as rufio Panman, man that's like my patriot name out there on the west coast uh, but i grew up in washington state near the seattle area uh, my whole life you know and uh growing up um you know i was raised by um uh, a great family uh, had a great upbringing i went to private school um you know i spent a lot of time in the woods you know i was i rode horses i was kind of a country boy you know dirt bikes all that all that kind of stuff and so I kind of grew up in a you know conservative family, you could say, and we've always had a, a pride for hard work and um, and you know just kind of living off the land and and I think that kind of you know sparked my pride in this country and, and I think the last ten years or so growing up, I really started to see that the dynamic of my state change, Washington. Anybody who's from that area has been there has you know knows what I'm talking about the dramatic change uh, from like kind of this leftist takeover. And, uh, starting in 2017 is when I started getting active in the Patriot movement. Um, just wanted to lend a hand, see what I could do to help out with a lot of this destruction and stuff that was happening in the cities, these rallies and stuff like that. And so, you know, 2017 was really when I started to kind of get involved, obviously with the proud boys and, uh, you know, the rest is, I mean, I don't know if you want to get into the rest now or if you have any other (laughs) questions on my upbringing. No, this is your story.
1: It's whatever you want to tell on. I'm I'm more than happy to hear that part.
2: Yeah, so uh, 2017, it was actually May Day. And if anybody anybody knows what May Day is, it's one of the biggest days of protest in a lot of major cities. Um,
1: Certainly in in Seattle.
2: Yes, certainly, yeah. Um, And it was just projected that there was going to be a lot of destruction. And at the time, this was, you know, obviously President Trump is already, you know, stepped into office and people had really spiked up their, you know, activity and as far as protests go and there's just a lot of destruction, people getting banned from colleges and and violence and so I just, you know, I I decided I had enough, I'd seen all the YouTube videos everybody's seen and I went out to Seattle with the anticipation of just helping out local law enforcement, you know, protecting local businesses and I ended up meeting a small group of Proud Boys and back then Proud Boys was, I mean, Just (laughs) very unorganized.
1: Name five breakfast uh, cereals, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, just, I mean, it's just a bunch of, you know, blue collar type dudes, mostly just joking around, everybody making fun of each other. But, you know, we were there with the kind of, you know, kind of centered idea that this was kind of messed up what was going on. And, you know, from all different walks of life, we just kind of came together in that moment. And back then, it was really easy to kind of get into the Proud Boys. There was, like, no vetting or anything like that. And so from 2017 to about 2018, I became pretty prominent, uh, a, per, a prominent leader in the, in the Proud Boys. Um, some people know that I had this incident in Portland, Oregon in 2018 where an uh, Antifa individual attacked me with a uh, collapsible baton, and it was a video that went viral. I knocked him out with one punch and it was the punch around the world and my fame kind of exploded with, overnight um, and it was also how everybody kind of from then on out kind of labeled me as a violent extremist just because I fought back and this is kind of a pivotal point for a lot of people that I think can relate to uh, my situation that you know when you fight back you immediately become this violent perpetrator you know you're not allowed to fight back um, and I think that um it's i mean it's interesting you said you saw it in my trial a little bit that you know the government kind of accuses me of uh recruiting my recruiting ability in the proud Boys was because of my my ability to fight was what they
1: said yeah they quoted you as uh, Uh, a thuggish level of violence which i thought was really interesting
2: right yeah and you know what's funny is i've never been i have no uh record at all i mean now i do i guess i can say uh i have (laughs) And it's, you know, you'd think, like, if I was really out there doing this stuff, you know, I'd have some kind of track record, uh, violence, as far as violence goes, and it's just not there. It doesn't exist because, you know, I've always I've always prided myself on, you know, trying to deescalate as much as I can and only using force if absolutely necessary. And I mean, if you've ever been to some of these events out in the West Coast, they get, I mean.
1: I I thought I was going to shoot some people the last time I was in Portland, for what it's worth. And I also thought the FBI would hang me out to dry.
2: Exactly. You know, and and you get caught in, you know, you're between a rock and a hard place when you're in these situations where it's like, well, I absolutely see the need for force here. But I'm also scared as to really repercussions because I know what the media is going to say. And I know it there's probably going to be an investigation and I, you know, now that we're, especially after January 6th, it's, you just feel like your hands are tied. And so I think really what's going on here is, um, what we we're seeing is you see people like me, I've kind of in, you know, a unique individual within the proud boys where I'm being, you know, punished for basically standing up against what I believe is wrong and, and actually using force against people that, you know, are acting out violently. Um, and it's just—I think that's the government or whoever wants to discourage that completely. I don't even know—it's—it's it's, it's hard to say. I—I I think that's why I'm being punished, um, because you, you, you saw in court there's just really no—they couldn't really pin me on anything. You know, they just kept jumping around in circles talking about how I'm a violent individual and how I, you know, I advocate for force. Uh, and I've only ever used force when it was, it was necessary and, it, and it's never, it's only been a handful of times. So it was kind of comical to, to watch them dance around and try and, you know, pin this label on me.
1: I'm, I'm looking, we've got your gifts and go up and we're going to put that up. I've got uh, stand in the gap dot foundation. Is that another uh, website that would also reach you? Uh,
2: sorry, what was
1: the last one? Uh, maybe this is maybe the wrong one. We've got uh, support Ethan Nordine though, as the uh, gifts and go, does that sound right? Yeah. Um, yes, that's, that's correct. And, and I'm looking at the photo there, and I'm looking at the pictures we've got from the day of, and, and it's like you would have fit in with my buddies, who were, you know, kind of mixed bag of military, law enforcement guys who know that sometimes you need to throw a punch, uh, guys who would still go to church, but uh, you know, would stand up for their kids or their family. So it's it's hard. It sounds right. like they're making an example, the guilt by association, and then they gave you what eighteen years for this. Like A judge came down and said that was a reasonable sentence. Like what what was the feeling when yeah. that happened?
2: Um, you know. It's a it's, it's very unique situation. I think it, it, there's a burden that kind of comes off your shoulders when you finally are rid of this whole procedural process. And um, I, I've kind of had to look at it the best way I know how, and I just feel like, you know, I think it's, the, it's better that they go as crazy as possible on people like me because, well, like all, all the Proud Boys here, because, you know, it's it makes it look so much crazier, and I think it gets people's attention more. Um, just how crazy this is. Uh, and I just, a part of me just doesn't believe it. it. It's not real, you know, so it's hard for me to really have a negative response to it. I'm I'm, I'm I'm obviously frustrated that this is, you know, our court system doing this to us, our justice system feels justified in giving this sentence down, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, this is something that we've all defended, and a lot of us would be willing to die for, and, and it's kind of discouraging. I mean, it's heartbreaking to see that it's so easy to hand down sentences that, you know, are destroying people's
1: lives. And and yeah, for my audience's benefit, I've seen people who have knocked out and broken the face, like the orbital sockets of uh, old women on an Indian reservation and get less than four years. I've seen people convicted of distributing and creating child pornography get 10 years or less, you know, 12 years tops, and they're not going to serve all that. And then you guys are getting things like 18 year sentences and 15 and 22 years. Um, you know, what is, what is the process look like? What is your, your, uh, what's keeping you guys going as far as energy and everyone kind of has a different motivator. What's, what's giving you the hope to, to wake up every morning and put your feet down on the floor?
2: Um, you know, there's, there's a lot, uh, I, I know that there's still a lot of people out there fighting for us. And so obviously we want to, we want to keep the energy alive there. Um, I, I really think that we're in the midst of, uh, you know, a new revolution of some kind. Um, I'm not. T- And when I say that, I'm not advocating for violence or anything for anybody who's listening. Of course. uh, I I just think that there's a... And isn't it sad that we have
1: to say that right now?
2: Exactly. You know, everything will be used against you. It can, but it definitely will. (laughs) Right. Uh, So I think that, you know, people are are waking up. You know, I've talked to a lot of people, even people who aren't J6ers who see what's going on, and there just seems to be this kind of... uh, Like, you know, a lot of people, when they talk about the Great Awakening, it definitely seems like it's a legitimate statement. Um, People are seeing what's going on, but you don't even necessarily need to see what's going on to just feel the kind of general energy that's being exuded right now that it just feels like something is, you know, just around the bend. And I think uh, it's just kind of a feeling of being ready uh, and constant state of readiness of whatever's happening and, and being aware uh getting out there and spreading the truth as much as possible preparing people i think that's kind of like just gearing up for whatever is coming you know and being ready is what keeps me kind of going you know
1: that's fair when you look into your crystal ball and you guys have an awful lot of time to think i imagine right now um where do you see the the, the forks in the road for this country and and especially from your unique position in it and having seen what it's just done to you
2: um is, what do I anticipate the future to look like?
1: Maybe, um, maybe a couple options know, if I you see a couple of forks in the road out there, because I'm sure there's a couple of possibilities in your mind.
2: There's a couple of possibilities for sure. Um, well, one, I mean, Trump gets elected and, you know, a ginormous celebration ensues. <laughs> you know, obviously that's, that's the number one uh, desired outcome. Uh, number two, he doesn't. And I think this is where it kind of gets tricky because I'm just hoping that not everybody's putting their eggs in that basket, all their eggs in that basket. You know, I I think, like I said, we need to be in a state of readiness for whatever happens. Hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Uh, You know, we need to get active. We need to get involved, you know, sign up for some groups that you support, uh, write letters, make phone calls, get out there in the streets and get active, you know, Um, because there's, there's a third option that's um you know where people don't get involved and people kind of put all their eggs in the in the trump basket and it doesn't work out and i think everything just becomes normalized what's happening and you're already starting to see it you know you can pretty much point any direction you got the border you got our, our our the schools that are teaching our children all these things and you can kind of you know hear everybody say oh man that's crazy that that's happening in pretty much every facet of our country and it's it's kind of sad because it's becoming a normal conversation. Oh, it sucks that this is happening. It sucks that it's happening to these, what's happening to these J sixers. And it sucks that, you know, they got sentenced to 22 years, but what do we do? And that's option. Number three is I think, you know, our worst potential outcome that people just kind of give up. And I, I really don't feel like currently I don't believe that, our spirit is con- is currently in that position where we're ready to just give up. So I'm hoping that people, you know, are ready to fight for what they believe. in again, in, a, in a, not a in a sense of physical fighting, but in a sense in, of- In a metaphorical
1: you know, and rhetorical way.
2: Metaphorically speaking. <laughs> right.
1: My, my buddy um, got in trouble with so this with the FBI are- too.
2: Exactly, right. And so you got, you know, I think people need to be inspired. People need to be given permission to say, hey, you know what, this is what you're feeling. This It's correct. It's, what's happening is wrong. And so what are we going to do about that as a country? And and I think that comes down to a lot of people be willing to step into leadership positions who maybe, you know, felt like, well, uh, I don't know if I'm ready for that or I don't know if that's my job. Like, look, you know, if you feel like you are compelled to step into the shoes of you know any situation, do it. You know like we need leaders really badly. Our, our kids need leaders more than anything right now. If if you if you have a hard time picking an area that you need to fight in, just think of our kids. And I mean, if we can't stand for them, then I don't really think we can
0: stand for you them. You have one minute
2: remaining.
1: All right, and in our last minute here, as the lady has just told us, can you tell people where they can support you? The best ways that you would uh, appreciate support, whether it be letters or or financial or anything else, and we'll we'll share all that along.
2: Yeah, honestly, the best thing that we the, the thing that we need the most right now is financial support. With the legal battles ahead and our family, I mean, it's uh, honestly I, I wish there was more that we could do, but that's that's the biggest resource we need right now. It's just financial.
1: And are your attorneys um, are they publicly defenders? Or are they people that are that are like a Shipley or something like that that's involved in a defense fund?
2: Uh, my attorney is Nick Smith. We're looking at some, uh, potentially get some other appellate attorneys as well because we're on the appeal, appeal side now. But um, he's a phenomenal attorney. and uh, Between all of us, we have a really good power team as far as uh, legal defense goes.
1: Okay. Well, we're going to share all that. And rather than get unceremoniously cut off, I want to thank you so much for speaking to us today, Ethan, and, uh, and hang in there. We're praying for you. Thank you, Kyle. All right, bud.
2: Thank
0: you for using Global Tail Link. This is Kyle. Hello. This is a prepaid debit call from Henry.
1: This is Kyle Serafin. Is this Enrique? Kyle, can you hear me? I can. Yes. Can you hear me? This is Enrique. All right, my yes, friend. Yes, I
0: hear you fine. How's my audio coming
1: in? It's great. We've got it uh, recorded and it's coming in nicely. And um, I want to, I'm going to manage the time on this, if that's cool with you. I'm getting better at doing this, which is sad to say, but, um, Let's. I want to start. I want to say that you're probably the most maligned person. I think your case to me seems like the most insane thing I've ever heard. Being convicted of a, a conspiracy without ever being part of the thing physically, so maybe you would tell people the most important thing, which is who you are as a person, where you grew up, you know, the, the lens that you bring to to life and 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 the family you came from. And if you would do that, that'd be, I think, illuminating for folks. Okay. Well, as, uh,
0: some of your listeners may know my name, Enrique Tarrio um uh, i was born and raised out of miami florida um from cuban parents uh raised in a very you know anti-authoritarian home you know specifically anti-communist home mm-hmm. um and uh you know i like i said i was born and raised in miami um not a, I think i went to a little bit of college i'm self-educated um and i'm very very you know I, i've been a very active activist since 2004 and um you know, I just—I'm very passionate about about what what I do.
1: What do you think about this country? Uh, growing up, especially with immigrant parents, like what what did you see this country as, and maybe tell me how that's changed over the last two three years?
0: Well, I'm going to tell you, um, my views of the country have completely evolved over the course of of these two years that I've been in jail, um, but before that. You know, um, I felt like the country was going in a very poor direction, very negative direction. Uh, The polarization was was seen. uh, I mean, I saw the polarization coming a mile away. Um, And I'm a Trump supporter, simply. And I wanted, that's why I wanted, I supported Trump because I saw him as something different uh, that would come in and change the status quo and drain the swamp. And actually what we saw was, you know, how powerful the swamp really was. And I'm sitting here as a testament to that. And like you said, you know, I get what a conspiracy is. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to be there in order to be charged with the conspiracy. I get that whole notion, Mm -hmm. but the problem was that I was against uh, everything that, that, that they're accusing me of, you know, I tried to make peace. Um, I tried to, to, to work with law enforcement um, before these rallies to keep people safe. from people that wanted to harm them, Trump supporters that were being harmed by members of Antifa, um, things like that. And I'm paying the price for that now. I'm paying the price for that.
1: Yeah. Would it surprise you to learn that they were briefing about Proud Boys and, and uh, sort of considering them a far right organization in 2017 in Washington field by the, by the head of the domestic terrorism units there?
0: I mean, that absolutely does not surprise me whatsoever. Um, I've this politicization of of like these these federal agencies has been around for a very long time, and I think a lot of people are waking up to it now. But it's it's it's, it's been around. It's not it's not it didn't come around right after Biden got elected. It's been there. Biden has just done a better job at weaponizing it, you know. And I've always had a huge respect for the law enforcement community, but when you're talking about the FBI, um you know, they, they are, they are what they are. They're, they're a Gestapo force.
1: Has your opinion on that uh, changed over your lifetime? Obviously recently, I think it makes sense. Is there, was there something you saw growing up that was different?
0: Um, I mean, I started seeing, I started seeing a little bit of it before, but I wouldn't really, it wasn't, it wasn't my cup of tea to, to focus on that. But yeah, I did see, I did see a little bit of change in that. And I thought, and I thought in 2017 with us specifically, um, when it came to to federal agencies, I mean, I, again, when when I would come into cities and we'd get uh, threats from from other states, I'd reach out to the FBI and make sure that you know all rally goers are safe. But I did see like there was a hesitancy um, from them.
1: Yeah, I think it was a, an extreme lack of knowledge there. Having received some of those briefings and being a guy who you know watched Gavin McGinnis and heard him tell the story of the Proud Boys many times, it was really strange to listen to somebody come up mm-hmm. and give a brief. And have literally no concept of who they were, uh, and and no concept of what you guys cool. were about, and you know saying things that made no sense to me. Maybe, uh, yeah, you've been called a racist in in, um, in the news media. You've been demonized in a way that I think is pretty incredible. Maybe talk about what that felt like, and, cool. uh, and as you first got it, and then maybe as your thin your th- uh, skin thickened up.
0: Um, so, <clears throat> I mean, obviously calling me a white supremacist is probably the stupidest premise I've ever heard in my life. Sure. Uh, I'm a very brown individual i speak better Spanish than i do english um i have african roots uh and the only thing is i've never taken anything that anybody tells me to heart've i've been called every name in the book and I don't take it to heart i actually take it i take it in stride and i feel like the more they do it the more effective i i've been throughout the years um and it but it, it does it does have a, a a dampening effect on it because even people on our side that don't know that hear these things. Some sometimes people don't want to talk to us uh, because of that. And um, you know, my mission was to make sure that we spread the message um, through as, as many means as possible. So yeah, it does make it a little difficult, but I did take it in stride. It didn't bother me uh, specifically. I mean, we've seen we've seen we've seen them call everything that they've called us. They've done to uh, just regular Trump supporters. White supremacists, white nationalists, Nazis—I mean, I could, we could—you don't have enough time on this show for me to say all the things that I've been called.
1: No, I'm—I'm I'm kind of a fan of being called those things as well. I feel like it means I'm just being an honest human. <laughs> uh, maybe uh, talk a little yeah. bit about—we had some kind of high hopes in after uh, 2022 with the election and and you know taking the speakership in the House. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of movement by mm-hmm. politicians. Have you had any reach out to you or any support that you have felt that is tangible from the Republican Party?
0: I have not gotten any, any, um, politicians have not reached out to us. I've seen, I've heard that some of them are supporting us on their social media, uh, specifically with these sentences that were handed down, uh, between last week and yesterday. Um, I, I appreciate that support, but we need more, you know, um, in the next couple of days, I will be speaking in length about, uh, something that happened to me. Uh, during my incarceration. I'll probably be uh, talking a little bit more about it tomorrow. Um, I'm not sure what medium I'm going to be sharing that, but uh, if you want to have me back on and I'll talk about it. But um, there is, I I am calling for the weaponization committee, the weaponization of the federal government committee to shoot me a subpoena because I have information that they, I think that they would would see uh, as very, very crucial to what that weaponization is. I've seen it firsthand. I can't really talk about what it is on this show but it is it is something very explosive uh something that's going on right now with recent events and um you know what what bigger weaponization it is than uh me being put in prison for 22 years of my life 22 years of my life uh for wrong think and speech you know i know i'm a rabble rouser i know that that's what i am um i know that i speak truth to power and uh, I speak it as energetically as possible but it costing me 22 years of my life is not is not it costing a day of my life is not is not feasible. and these politicians need to step up more but again I ask the weaponization committee to shoot me a subpoena and I get information that is more explosive than anything that they've ever seen
1: okay fair enough yeah for starters you're welcome back hundred percent you tell me when and uh, the other piece of it is is that uh, i I keep noticing that these. Politicians seem to act like there's J6 is a non-winner for them, and therefore they've just they're hoping it'll go away. You guys are obviously in a in a horrible position right now. Um, maybe talk about your understanding of the First Amendment and, and how something like this could
0: happen in America. Um, I mean, like I told you, me being locked away for two years has has radically changed my position on you know how our government works. What the Constitution is and who the American people are. Um, I believe we're fighting for constitutional rights that haven't existed in this country in a very long time. I mean, I hate to say it, but I can't name one constitutional protection that is a, is protected. You know, we, we're seeing these judges, and I heard it. I've heard it throughout these January Six cases, where judges themselves are saying that the First Amendment is not absolute. Um, by God, if the First Amendment isn't absolute in our constitution, I don't know what it is. The Second Amendment doesn't exist. You know, um I love our docu- I love that founding document, but uh in this country and to this government, it means nothing. It really does mean nothing to them. Uh but going through trial has completely disgusted me on how this justice system works. Um there is no free speech defense. Um to to to, the, to this government and the prosecution, um, people are being put in jail for simply protesting something. I get it, I get it, and I've said it a million times. If you assaulted a police officer, you should do some jail time. Not as much of jail time as that they're given, sure. but you should do some jail time. If you broke something, you should be charged with uh, destruction of property. You got me. If you trespass, you should be charged with trespassing. But if you spoke out against the government, I definitely don't think that somebody should be charged with sedition. Um, I, I, I really believe that that you know we're in we're not at a crossroads. I'm sorry to say it, we're not at a crossroads. We've been traveling down the wrong path for a very, very, very long time. okay? And if you speak out against it, here's another thing about members of law enforcement and free speech. I, like I said, I try to work with enforcement as soon as I go ahead and uh, and i get to a city to make sure that everything's peaceful. I tried to bring one of those law enforcement officers into our trial as a witness, and guess what happened to him, Kyle? I don't know. They went to his house, and they told him that if he were to testify, that they would put him in jail. And you know what he told me? He's like, look, I can't do it. I can't risk my job. I can't risk my family. You know what they did 10 days after they convicted us? They arrested that gentleman. He's a lieutenant of the force. He's been with Metropolitan Police Department for 22 years as a lieutenant in the force. Okay? If you go against this government, they are going to put you in jail. I don't know how to fix it. I don't have a solution. But I know that we're not doing enough.
1: I a hundred percent agree. My podcast this morning was called uh, post constitutional America. And, uh, for some reason we've allowed it to get to this point. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of us had our heads down. We're trying to do something else. And we looked up and suddenly a lot of this country is gone. Uh, as, as far as what you're looking at, what, what are your appeals look like? What is your, your attorney's sort of, uh, ambitions, uh, going forward? And obviously you have to push this thing, but is there, you know, do you, are you feeling okay about how that might look? Are you have any hope going forward?
0: Uh, I do have hope. Uh, I just don't know what that hope consists of. We are going to appeal, but we're appealing to the same justice system that put us in here in the first place. I mean, I I, I get it. I'm going to appeal. It's a a five-and-a-half-month trial, so there's a lot to appeal, a lot of things that happened that I feel that I I didn't agree with the judge. I respect the judge's opinion on a lot of things. But um, I just disagree with him wholeheartedly on some of those things. And the government, you know, the government has been disgusting through this whole process. You know, um, the, the, the things that they've done is, 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 is unheard of. You know, um, trying to put people in jail for decades for this is, is gone. Um, my attorney is having a press conference tomorrow. Uh, I don't know how to tell you guys how to get it out. But Naive Hassan, uh, he's having a press conference tomorrow uh, as far as uh, my appeals go. And, um, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to navigate, you know, and I'm not, I'm not a type of person, I'm not going to ask for a pardon. Uh, If if President Trump comes back in, I'm not asking him for a pardon. I'm asking him to take a look at our case, take a look at our case uh, and see if justice was served.
1: Yeah, I think a and lot. I of
0: guarantee people, you already know the answer.
1: Well, I think a lot of people have that same sense, and they're nauseated by it. My like, producer and I were having the same conversation. It's like it's so disgusting. Like, where do you even begin? How can people support what you guys are about? And I know we're going to run up on the uh, one minute warning here in just a second. So, uh, like, what can people do to, from where right. they're at right now to help you out?
0: Okay, so to so help, I'm not asking for help for myself. Uh, my family's the one that needs it. Okay. Uh, the website is Tario Family. You have one minute remaining. Of course, of course, it breaks me off. It's tariofamilyfund.org. That's t-a-r-r-i-o familyfund.org. If you guys can help us out. I mean, you know, that'll go a long way. I've never really asked for money. This is my first time that my family has asked to help them out because they're they're struggling um, right now. And that's the most important thing to me, family, you know, that's, that's the order of things. Patriotism and my country is not on my top priority list anymore. I'm sorry to say that, but it's my God, my family, and my tribe, and my tribe is the American people.
1: Yeah, the ones that still care about what used to be there, right? Um, I really appreciate you spending the time with yep. us, and uh, and like I said, you're you're welcome to come back and talk to us. Any message you want to share here, you can always come back and talk. And I'm um, praying for you guys and all right. share all those websites. I, I, I don't Thank want to get cut off by the uh, by the buzzer here.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate, Appreciate you.
1: you. Thank you. God bless you. You too. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to the Kyle Serafin show streamed live every weekday at zero nine thirty Eastern time. That's eight 30 here in Texas, America, streamed live from Liberty Hill, Texas, America, uh, a troubling picture of America, men behind bars for seditious conspiracy, probably the most absurd use of our justice system yet. And And that last one from Enrique was probably the most troubling for me a man who wasn't even physically in DC on the time. Uh, We will try to put out some information about that press conference when I have it. You can watch my Twitter feed. So follow me at Kyle Serafin, and I will get that out there. We want to say thanks to all of the uh, the folks in the live chat. You guys are are the best. There is no one better. Thanks to all of our new sponsors of the channel, which is going to be the subscribers. You can always do that. You can join the chat if you like at rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin for our bumping live chat at 0930 Eastern. Eastern. Uh, folks. We also really appreciate all of the, uh, the five-star reviews. Here is another one, almost 700 right now on Apple. This one is written by Minnesota native MN. It says American Patriot five stars. I first heard you when you were interviewed by Dan Bongino, you talked about the chop zone in Minneapolis. I'm from MN. I'm from Minnesota and I had no idea that was going on. Your podcast is very refreshing and informative. Keep up the amazing work. Uh, Minnesota native we're happy to bring you news wherever we can and uh, unfortunately it's not always good news in this in this climate but we will keep doing it I'm glad you're refreshed and we're really appreciative of the five-star review folks if you want your five-star review read click on the link below in the show description and you too can have your review read we appreciate those five-star reviews they are fantastic and they do bump us up uh please follow my producer Ryan Matta who did some outstanding work making sure we got this recorded you can follow him on twitter at Ryan Matta Media. There he is right there, the man, the myth, the legend, and you can find him on True Social at Ryan Matta. That's M-A-T-T-A, M-A-T-T-A, Ryan Matta. Follow him as well. Uh, folks, don't forget to like this show. Make sure that the uh, the thumb is green. I know Eric Jason's in there riling you all up, making sure that the uh, the like is freed. Hit that, that thumbs up and... Um, I don't know. Pray for this country. Pray for these men. If you can help them out financially, we will uh, share all their gifts and goes in the show description. So you can find all of them. If you want to pick one that you rotate through, I think that would be a fantastic use of an extra five or 10 bucks. These things really do stack up if there's a lot of you out there. And uh, I've seen it with my own eyes that it can make a really big difference in people's lives. So we do appreciate it. And uh, I know I'm going to be giving to them as well. I just, I feel like the injustice is so strong. Pray for this country, pray for each other, pray for these men, and we'll see you again. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Kyle Seraphin show. Streamed live weekdays on Rumble.com/slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.